Hey, Southwest family, I'm so excited to be with you today. For those who don't know me, my name is Joseph Gutierrez, and I'm the family pastor here, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity to be with you today. Well, we pick up in our series, Justice. This series is where we answer the question, what is God's heart concerning justice according to the Bible? I'm going to say that again. What is God's heart concerning justice according to the Bible? Now, that last part is so important because so much is happening and conversations are happening when it comes to this subject. But a lot of people are finding their information out from the world rather than seeking the answers in God's word. And today, and as we go through this series, we are looking at God's word and when it comes to this subject. Well, we know here and around the world that much of this conversation is being dominated in media, by movements, by moguls. However, here at Southwest, we have chosen to say what's going to influence us is the message of our Messiah. So today we're going to dive into scriptures and see what God has to say on this. When we set out on this journey, Pastor Ricky asked some of our pastors and said, what do we want as a result of this? Like, what do we want our people to learn and do as a result of this series? And there was a few different answers, but it all summed up to these two things. That our hearts would break for the things that breaks God's heart. And the second, that our church would not just do something, but become something as a result of this series. See, sometimes we hear messages and we go out and we say, we just want to do something. Let's just do something about it. But we never become something. So it just becomes something that we did once rather than how we live our life. Well, in order for this message to grow deep today, you're going to think this is crazy, but the title of my message is The Power of Prayer. Justice, the power of prayer. Well, how does this match? How does this connect? How is this important to what we're doing? Well, as we learned last week, Pastor Ricky challenged us with this idea of practicing pausing. <laughs> well, James teaches us this idea of we're not supposed to be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So we thought it was important for us to spend an entire week dedicated to this idea of practicing to pause. One, so that we might reflect on the lessons that we learned last week, but also that prayer might shape and change our hearts for the messages that are to come. That as God begins to speak to us on this topic, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, that we might be challenged to become something, and that we might be like Isaiah, Isaiah said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? And then he replied, here am I, send me. Our challenge this week is that we might not just hear from a preacher, but we might hear from God through his word to say, how can I do something? That we might be challenged to do something, but we're gonna spend a week dedicated to prayer See, we're going to call this moment a Selah moment. Selah, what is Selah? I'm so glad you asked. Selah is a word, a Hebrew word that is found in Scripture, oftentimes, a lot of times, in the book of Psalms. See, Scripture is 
divinely written, divinely inspired word. And that means even that moment of Selah, which means to rest or pause. And the reason why those moments were built into scripture was that we might not just reflect on the word, but we might allow the word of God to sink in deep into our core. Because when we allow God's word to transform us inwardly, we believe it might transform the world outwardly. So we have these moments that it might break down in such a way that it would come into our lives that we would hear his word speak. We can't rush past Selah. We must allow those moments to sink in and allow God's word to sink in deep. Joe, I need you to explain this a little bit better. Well, recently we moved and when we moved, my wife had all these inspirations on what we were gonna do with our house. All of a sudden she became Joanne Gaines and she was like trying to figure out all the different decoration pieces, all these restoration projects, all the stuff that we were gonna paint and do. Well, along the process, what I learned is that when you're reconditioning furniture, in order for you to apply some of that furnishing onto that furniture, you first have to sand it down first. And the reason for this is because after a while, that dirt or that, that paint absorbs dirt and you may not even see it. It may look good on the outside, but what is happening is this dirt is building a film and now if you just paint over it, it won't stick very well. So what we have to do is we have to sand it down that the surface might be exposed in order for it to absorb the fresh paint. This week is that. It's a moment that we might sand our life down in such a way that we would hear God's word. It would sink deep in to the core of our being that the word may stick and we would do something about it. So as I approached this week, there were some things that I was thinking about. And, and one of the things that I was thinking about was this idea that's approaching many parts of our world. And this idea of fall. If you're from the Coachella Valley, you're like, what is fall exactly? Well, fall is the season where uh, the sun is shining and the, the leaves are changing and, and you see this beauty that is surrounded inside of the world and you see all these trees that are becoming brown and gold and yellow and, and it's a beautiful thing. Well, we don't see that often here. But what is happening in this nature and this experience is what's happening is the outside world and conditions are changing the inward world of these leaves. See, what's happening scientifically is the chlorophyll breaks down. But in the fall, because of changes in the length of daylight and changes in temperature, the leaves stop their food making process and the chlorophyll breaks down and the green color disappears and the yellow and orange colors become visible. And this gives the leaves a part of this fall splendor. What happens in nature is the outside world impacts the inward world. Well, that's what happens in us when we stay in our nature, in our natural being of, of a sin nature. What happens is we allow the outside conditions of our world to change our inward parts. But today what we're going to do is we're going to say, God, help us change from the inside out that we might change the world that surrounds us. Well, how can we do that? I'm so glad you asked. Join me in Philippians 4. I'm going to be reading one through nine, Philippians four, verses one through nine. It says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, 
My joy and crown stand firm thus in Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, Judea, and I entreat you, Sintiche, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask that you, uh, uh, that you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I still say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone that the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace be with you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're gonna teach us today. Teach us to rest in you, that we might be changed by you, that our inward worlds would be different so our outward world can be different as well. In your name I pray, amen. As I was deep, uh, going into this scripture, I was looking into this, I, I found out the one, there's three things that I wanna teach you on the power of prayer. And the first thing is that prayer changes our perspective. Prayer changes our perspective. Uh, me and my wife are about to have our fourth child. And I know maybe if you know me, you're saying, Joe, didn't you just have a child? And you'd be right. <laughs> you're saying, Joe, wasn't it just like last year at this time? And wouldn't that make this like um, Irish twins? And aren't you Mexican? You would be right. <laughs> but as we were approaching this season of life and we're having another kid, there were some names that we threw out. And there's these names that we're thinking of, but there were some names that we avoided because of the negative connotation. There's just some names that we just wouldn't name our children. And I'll be honest with you, as I looked through the list of names, as I looked through even Bible names, Judea and Sinteche weren't on the top of our list. And the reason being was that this is the only time they're mentioned in scripture. And the only reason they're mentioned is because they're fighting. <laughs> this is the only time that they're mentioned throughout all of scripture. And it's an argument that's happening. See, it's amazing that as Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians, he spends two verses on an issue that's happening outwardly. But then he spends about six verses telling them what needs to change inwardly. He says, rejoice, don't be anxious. Let's have, have thanksgiving, peace. Think of these things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellence, worthy of praise. He spends six verses expounding on the inward change that needs to happen because there's an outward issue. See, it's my belief that your private devotion impacts your public relations. See, the reason why I think that this is such an important key, that the key that he, the principle that's being taught here is this idea that prayer changes your perspective is prayer changes your perspective about people and prayer can change your perspective about situations. See, this is why it's so important when Jesus said, pray for your enemies. This is why he said it. Not that it might change them, but it might change your perspective about them. 
that you would get to a place in your life where you could see people and circumstances differently. Why? Because there's an inward change that's happening inside of your life that you would begin to have a heavenly perspective about the people and problems you're facing in your life. How can I have a better heavenly perspective? Well, um, when we were going through LA recently, we were going to take a flight out of LA and we had my son, he's nine years old. He's looking at these huge buildings. He's looking at these tall, massive buildings. He's like, dad, how were these built? And he's always asking me these tough questions about how things were made. And I have to, you know, Google search what was done and how did they do this? And what was the process? And he's looking at these huge buildings and he's like, man, I can't imagine what it would have taken to build these buildings. But then just a few moments later, as we're taking our flight, we start flying over those same buildings. And he's like, dad, they look so small from here. The buildings didn't change, but our perspectives about the buildings changed. Once we got to a higher elevation, we could see things differently. See, this is what Paul's challenging you to do. Stop seeing the world the way the world sees it but see the world the way the word says it. God created those people and he loves those people. And if we can get a heavenly perspective, it would change the problems that we're dealing with. And you would see them not as huge, massive problems. No, you would see it through the light of God, through the eyes of Jesus to say, no, those are small in comparison to my God. That although the problem seems so big from where I'm standing, that when God looks down, he sees a world that looks so differently. This is why Paul can say, don't be anxious about anything from a prison. See, as he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi, he's writing this letter from the context of prison and he's sharing with them, hey, stop fighting, don't be anxious. Why? Because he has a heavenly perspective about the things that are happening in their lives. So the first thing that we can learn about prayer is prayer changes our perspective. The second thing that we can learn about prayer is prayer changes our posture. I just said it right now, Philippians 4, 6, it says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, I don't know about you, but I know I feel it. And a lot of people that are surrounding me feel this sense of anxiety and the sense of anxiousness for the world that we're facing today. And a big part and the big reason for that, I believe that a lot of us are experiencing this is this, we've got poor posture. What do you mean? Poor posture? Like the way I'm standing, the way I'm sitting is changing and causing me anxiety. No, 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 no. It's not your literal posture. It's the way you've postured your life to feel like you're in control. See, what we have done in our spiritual world, what we have done in our life is we've postured our life in a way that says, I want to control things, God. I'm going to pray about some things, but I'm going to be anxious about a lot of things because I'm worried about the results of it. And what's happened is you haven't given that over to God. You've kept the wheel of control in your hands. See, the reason why we have anxiety and anxiousness is because as long as I'm in control, I carry the weight. 
I carry all of the weight of the world that's happening around me, all the problems that are happening inside my family, all the issues that are happening inside my home, all the issues that are happening at work, all the issues that are happening in the world. As long as I'm in control, the weight of the world is on my shoulders. But we need to change our posture. He said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your crest be known to God. What is he saying? Change your posture from in control to surrender. Where no longer am I holding on to the will of life. No, I'm letting go. And now I am giving him control. I am giving him everything. And we need to change our hands and posture from this in our life, a metaphorical control that we have in our life to a surrender to God, to say, God, you have everything. See, it's only in God's presence that surrender means victory. Where you giving up, gives you victory in your life. Because when I can give it over to God, when I get to the end of me, I get to the beginning of him and I get to see how God begins to change our life. See, what we need to understand is that worry is worship in the wrong direction. Worry is worship in the wrong direction. Because when I'm worrying and when I'm anxious about life and the situations and circumstances of life, what I'm doing is I'm giving it worship. I'm magnifying it. When my son brings home these projects and we have to look underneath a magnifying glass, what I've realized about the magnifying glass is the magnifying glass doesn't change the object. It just changes my perspective of the object. It makes it look bigger. And I think a lot of times we are magnifying the problems in our life rather than magnifying the God of our life and saying, I want to be in control. So therefore I'm gonna keep focusing on this situation and focusing on this circumstance and I'm gonna make it bigger and I'm gonna be a problem. And rather than saying, God, I've surrendered it all to you and I want to magnify you because I believe you're God. I'm a good dad. I might be a good brother. I might be a, a good husband, but I'm a poor God. So God, I'm an, you our God, you take control. I surrender everything to you. I need to change my posture. And prayer changes our posture. Because now I approach God with no anxiousness. I say, God, I'm thankful for the things you've given me. God, I know you are bigger than the things that I'm facing. God, I know you are better than me. And I need to be a good father and I need your help. <laughs> I've surrendered. See, ch prayer changes our perspective. Prayer changes our posture. And prayer gives us peace. Prayer gives us peace. The Bible says, Philippians 4, 7, that continued verse, it says this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. See, it doesn't say it will guard you from every problem in our life. It doesn't say it will guard you from every hurt in your life. It doesn't say it will guard your Dodgers from getting hurt again that they won't win another championship. No, it doesn't say those things. But what it does say, it will guard your heart and mind. See, it doesn't say that it will guard you from bad diagnosis. It doesn't say it will guard you from ever losing a loved one. It doesn't say 
it'll guard you from your mom having cancer. It doesn't say it'll guard you from your child having special needs. It doesn't say it'll guard you from losing your dad. But what it does say, it'll guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. See, in order for you to have full context of this, I shared this earlier, but this letter was a letter written to the Church of Philippi, inspired by God, written by Paul in a prison. And he's writing to the church to say, see, God's not promising that you'll be absent of problems, but he is promising that you'll have his peace and his presence. This is why the word of God says 365 times, fear not, do not be afraid. He says this knowing that there will be many times in our life where fear will try to take control. See, fear is first and worry is first realized in our bodies from palpitations, sweaty palms and perspiration, tension, headaches and clenched jaws, rapid breathing loss of appetite, increased appetite, problems, sleeping, all these issues. Because as just as worry is worship in the wrong direction, fear is faith in the wrong thing. But when I turn to God in prayer, what he shows us is this, is that we can have peace. That same verse that I read earlier, it continues on like this in verse eight and nine, it says this. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there is any excellence, there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I love that last part because he says this, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. He said, I'm, I, I'm leading, trying to lead by example because this is what you need to know, that the voice you listen to the most, the voice you listen to the most is what you will become. You will become like the voice you listen to the most. So he said, I want you to do and what you heard from me and you've seen from me. Growing up, my mom just had all these quotes. We'd go to visit other people's houses and she would say, Joe, leave it better than you found it. And I'd be like, mom, just let me go to my friend's house. <laughs> let me just enjoy my time. She said, no, Joe, leave it better than you found it. I'd always be like, mom, I want to go out and... She'd say, well, did you clean your room? And I'd be like, I didn't, but I just want to go out. And she'd be like, well, I'm not telling you you can't go. You made the choice not to go when you chose not to clean your room. All these quotes, all these things. And I used to hate it as a child until I had kids. <laughs> and you know what I heard myself doing? I heard myself saying the same things that she said to me. See, you become like the voice you listen to most. What voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of fear? Are you listening to the voice of anger? Are you listening to the voice of frustrations? Are you listening to the voice of, of, of doubt and hurt? Or are you listening to God's voice? Are you listening and looking in God's word? Are you examining what he is saying to you in this time? Because you become like the voice you listen to most. 
So what are you becoming, better yet, what are you listening to? Have you turned up the noise of news? Or have you begun to listen through prayer to hear the voice of God? Have you, have you been diving deep into his word? Or have you just been listening more to the world and what it has to say? Selah. Let us pause and reflect. Because what if so many of us are hurting and so many of us are broken, but what if God's way of healing you is by calling you to help others? What if at the end of this series, God's challenging you to adopt a child? What if he's challenging you to speak against human trafficking? What if God's calling you to another country? Would you be like Isaiah to say, send me, I'll go? Like, I'll do it. Like, I'll, ask, I'll act justly. I'll walk humbly. Like, I'll take the stand. I'll make the difference. Or have we not turned up the noise? Have we not turned up the sound of Jesus? Because it's not that he's not speaking. The question is whether or not we're listening whether or not we want to hear from him to say, God, wherever you send me, I'll go. So God, change our hearts. Shape us that we might hear from you and do what you want us to do. To go where you want us to go. To do what you want us to do. To say what you want us to say. That God, we would hear you in such a clear way. So God, I just thank you for your word that teaches us this concepts of prayer that we should go to you for, that we might find peace, that we might change our posture, and we might change our perspective of people and things. I thank you so much, God, for what you have done. In your name I pray. Can I also pray this blessing over you? May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you so much, Southwest.